I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this day that you have made. We've chosen to rejoice and be glad in it. As we come to hear the word, I thank you for the Logos word being preached into the rhema word that, Father, it will become a now word for our lives. And I pray that, Father, every word that leaves my mouth and the meditation of my heart will be right before you. And I thank you for a spiritual infusion taking place in our hearts today. And I thank you for transformation taking place in our lives. And Father, as I teach on a subject that most people don't like, I thank you in the name of Jesus for producing understanding that will produce manifestation that, Father, the world will be able to look at members of Word of Truth Family Church and those who have partnered as they exercise this word. They'll look at their lives and say, truly, you are blessed. And, Father, they will listen to what we have to say because they can see the manifestations of your blessings on our lives. And so I thank you for signs, miracles, and wonders taking place. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody say amen. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you. You may be seated in the house. You may be seated at home. Today I'm starting a new series called Giving by Faith and Not by Finances. Everybody say, Giving by Faith and Not by Finances. Now, typically I give a disclaimer before I teach something like this. So the disclaimer is going to be short today, okay? Here's the disclaimer. Uh, when I talk about giving and when I talk about receiving and when I talk about money, I have a very high conviction on it. So when you hear me teaching, don't get offended through my directive, okay? Because I have a conviction that this works. As a matter of fact, uh, my conviction is so high, I did not develop this conviction when I became a pastor. I was, listen, I had this conviction that God uses the system of giving to bless his people. I had that conviction before pastoring to the point that churches that I used to be a part of, they would ask me to, to receive the offering because I have this conviction. I have this conviction that giving is good. So as I come across, just remember now, I'm doing that because I have a conviction that's high. And, and there are going to be some things that I may share personally that will be on the borderline of being misunderstood. Or let me use this other word, because I, I try to be transparent in what I do. That's one thing that I believe Word of Truth Family Church loves about Pastor Evan. There's a transparency about me. Can y'all say amen about that? Okay, so here's the problem, though, with transparency. Uh, it will bless m- many people, but it, it has the potential of offending a small group. So I'm going to ask you to not be in that small group. Because my only reason for being transparent 
is so that you can see that this word works in Pastor Eben's life as well. Say amen to that. Two weeks ago, I gave the largest tithe I have ever given in my life. That means if my tithe was large, the increase had to be large too. And here's what's beautiful. The transaction that I did to to give the tithe from had nothing to do with Word of Truth Family Church. Say amen to that. Amen. So I'm excited because this still works. I believe God waited to bless me the way he did so I could use the testimony to talk to you today. So what I'm saying today, I know this works. Say amen to that too. So one of the major points that I made on last week, because our series was called Growing in Your Faith. Look at your neighbor and ask him, have you grown in your faith yet? Uh, it's Growing in Your Faith. That was a series that I had last, last week. And uh, one of the points that I made was that faith should be a lifestyle and not a life jacket. And the reason I'm mentioning that now is because, listen, you cannot give by faith until you have decided to live by faith. I'm going to say that again. You cannot give by faith until you've decided to live by faith. And because, when, listen, when you and I, when we give by faith and not by finances, watch this now, your giving determines your living. However, when you give by finances and not by faith, your lack of giving will always negatively impact your living. In other words, what I'm saying is people who give based on what they have will always never have enough. And their giving will always be subject to change because their, their, their giving is based on what they have and not based on God's obedience to his word. So the goal of the series is to help you and I, watch this now, give us and help us manage our financial resources, know how to give financial resources in a way that we can live and enjoy life the way God wants us to. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 17, uh, this is what it says. It says, charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded. Don't be proud. Watch this. Nor trust in uncertain riches. Notice it calls it uncertain riches. I don't care how much money you have. You can have, you can be a millionaire and hit a health crisis and be broken in a month. He says, charge them out of riches in this world that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches. But watch this. But trust in the living God, watch this, who gives us richly all things to what? To enjoy. So God wants to bless us so that we can enjoy life. And this is why you and I, we want to learn to give better. Watch this. So we're in a position to live better. I'm going to say that again. We need to learn to give better so we're in a position to live better. We want to get to the point where we manage better so that we can increase better. Because, see, I'm going to show you that it's our management. Most people think that tithing alone is the thing that God blesses them. But your increase is connected to how you manage what's left. In other words, we prove to God that we or he can trust us with $1,000 when you and I have proven to him that we could, he could trust us with $500. See, we prove every time we get some money, we prove whether or not God can trust us. Luke chapter 16 verse 10 says this, He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. 
And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in the much. Verse 11. If therefore you have not been faithful, say faithful. If you have not been faithful in the unrighteous money, who will commit to your trust true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? If you want to own your own business, whoever you work for right now, you need to work at that place like it's yours. Amen. If you're going to want your future employees to stay late and make sure the job gets done, guess what you need to do? You need to stay late and get the job done. I believe the only one of the reasons that God allowed me to be a pastor of a church is because before I was the pastor of a church, I went to another church, actually three different churches. And guess what? I was faithful to those churches and that pastor or pastors. I was faithful as if it was mine. When I saw a piece of paper on the ground, I didn't wait for the cleaning people to pick it up. You know what I did? I picked it up. Amen. The New Living Translation of Luke's chapter, because some of y'all didn't like that, but it's okay. I'm trying to promote you. That's what I'm trying to do. The New Living Translation of Luke 16.10 says this, If you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. And if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? And if you are not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with the things of your own? Listen to this, church. Here's the problem. Once we take the ownership position instead of the stewardship position, we cease to trust God. And watch this. Self-reliance or flesh becomes our strength. I'm going to say that again. The moment we take the ownership position, because the earth is the Lord's, watch this, and the fullness thereof. So that means not only the earth, but the stuff that's in the earth, all of it belongs to God. And if it belongs to God, I'm not an owner, I'm a steward. And the moment we take ownership position instead of the stewardship position, then that means we've ceased to trust God and self-reliance or flesh becomes our strength. Jeremiah 17, 5 says this, Thus says the Lord, cursed is the man that trusts in man. And then, watch this, cursed is the man that makes flesh his arm or his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. Verse 6, this person who trusts in flesh or trusts in the arm of flesh or trusts in man, he will be like the heat in the desert and shall not see when good comes, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness, in salt land and not inhabited. Watch verse 7. He said, but blessed is the man that trusts in who? Trust in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is for he, this person who trusts in the Lord shall be as a tree planted by the waters that spreads out her roots by the river and shall not see even when he comes. It doesn't matter what the inflation rate is. It doesn't matter what condition our economy is in. It doesn't matter what country is having a war. Guess what? I am going to be living in God's best because I'm trusting him and not the system. It goes on to say, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water and spreads out of her roots by the river and shall not see when heat comes. Her leaves shall be green and shall not be careful in the year of drought. Neither shall this person cease from yielding fruit. I love the message translation of that verse. It says, cursed is the one who depends on mere humans, who thinks he can make it on muscle alone. 
and sets God aside as dead weight. He's like a tumbleweed on the prairie out of touch with the good earth. He lives rootless and aimless in a land where nothing grows. But blessed is the man who trusts me, God, the woman who sticks with God. They're like trees replanting in Eden, putting down roots near the rivers, never a worry through the hottest of summers, never dropping a leaf, serene and calm through droughts, bearing fresh fruit every season. So here's point number one if you're taking notes, and you should have your notes uh in, in, in hand and if you're watching there's a way to access the notes there's a link that you can that you can click on here's point number one giving by faith pleases God Hebrews eleven six says but without faith it is impossible to do what church please God for he that comes to God must believe that he is and then God rewards those who diligently seek him and this is why I believe as believers we must live by faith because when we do Watch this. We please God with our lives. Well, I'm going to show you today. Most people never realize that not only should we live by faith, but I'm going to show you that we have to learn how to give by faith too. And watch this. When we give by faith, it pleases God too. So watch this. Hebrews 11:4. I'm going to show you now the life of two people who gave by faith. Because a lot of times we have not been taught or trained to give by faith. We've been trained to just give. And this is why when people give, coming out of different backgrounds, depending on what church you went to, depending on, you know, how you gave. Amen. In the Presbyterian church, we used to pass the plate. I've gone to churches uh, and they made you get up and walk the aisle. And, and listen, the usher... Not Usher. Usher. Sister Dorothy. She did not care if you weren't giving that day. She still made you stand up and march around the building. And if you didn't have a dime in your pocket. See, they were trying to pressure you to give. That's what they were trying to do. But if you didn't have a dime to give, she still made you get up. And, and then they had to march in music, you know. The giving music. You get to the table, you ain't got no money. What you do? You touch the table. That ain't giving by faith. Hebrews 11.4. Let's look at one of the people in the Bible that gave by faith. Hebrews 11.4 says, by faith. Everybody say by faith. By faith, Abel. Offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. How did he do that, church? By faith. He offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. By which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts. And by it, by those gifts, it being uh, he being dead, yet spoke. In other words, in short, this verse is saying, Abel gave by faith. Now, Abel was uh, Adam and Eve's. One of his, their sons. He was the second son that they had. The New Living Translation of that verse says this. It was by faith that Abel brought a more excellent or a more acceptable offering to God. By faith, he brought a more acceptable offering to God. Then Cain did. Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man. And God showed him of his approval of his gifts. Although Abel is long dead, he still speaks to us by his example of faith. Listen, 
the living Bible of that verse says this. It was by faith that Abel obeyed God. How did he obey God? By what? It was by faith Abel obeyed God. And he brought an offering that pleased God more than Cain's offering did. God accepted Abel and proved it by accepting his gift. So listen. So Abel gave his offering to God by faith. Everybody say Abel. Gave his offering by faith. So here's what I love about God. I love about God because God made sure, watch this, that we understood how important giving by faith was because the first known example of giving in the Bible took place in the book of Genesis. Now, when you read accounts like this, you have to remember, this is the law of first mentions. In other words, this is the first time man given to God is being explained. So let's go to the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 4. I'm going to show you now, we just referenced what Abel did in the New Testament. Now we're going to look at what actually uh, happened with Abel in the story itself. Genesis chapter 4, it says now in the King James, And Adam knew Eve his wife. And she conceived and she bare Cain. So Cain was older than Abel. And she said, I've gotten a man child from the Lord. Verse 2. And she again bare his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of the sheep. But Cain was a tiller of the ground. Stop right there. Okay. Abel was a herdsman. And Cain was a farmer. Verse 3. And in the process of time it came to pass that Cain, watch this now, brought of the fruit of the ground. What did he bring? He brought an offering. Who did he bring it to? He brought it to the Lord. And Abel, watch this, he also brought, watch this now, here's the description. He brought of the firstlings, and that word can be translated, the first one of his flock and, everybody say and. So he didn't just bring the first one of his flock. He Listen, in other words, he had a sheep. He had two sheep, a male and a female. They got together and they had a sheeplet. Oh, that's called a lamb, ain't it? Okay, so the two sheep got together and they had a what? A lamb. Okay. Is it a lamb? Okay. I got this group over here laughing at me. I'm trying to figure out what they're doing over there. Okay, so these two sheep got together. They had a lamb. The first lamb that they had is what Abel brought. He didn't wait to see if that those two sheep was going to have some more. Because that's not faith. Faith is not given the second one. Because the second one means I got the first one. Faith is when you give the first one. And so it says that he brought, watch this, the first fruit or the first one of his flock. And then it says, and, because he didn't stop there, he brought some fat thereof. Now I'll show you later on, that's called tithe or the first one and offering. Look in verse, look at what it says. Now after Abel did this, it said, the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. But unto Cain and to his offering, he did not have respect. And Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. And the Lord said to him, Cain, why are you angry? And he says, why has your countenance fallen? He says, if you do well, shall you not be accepted? And if you don't do well, sin lies at your door. And unto you shall be his desire, but you shall have rule over him. Now, I'm going to read the New Living Translation very quickly. It says, now, Adam had sexual relations with his wife, Eve. She became pregnant. When she gave birth to Cain, she said, well, with the Lord's help, I have produced a man. 
Later she gave birth to his brother Abel, named Abel. When they grew up, Abel became a shepherd while Cain cultivated the ground. When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, watch this, the best of the firstborn lambs from his what? What did Abel do? He gave the what? He gave the best. And see, in scripture, the best is first. See, you may not have known this, but God has a Ricky Bobby attitude. Say, who is Ricky Bobby? You ever seen the movie Telegator Nights? Anybody? If you've seen the movie, raise your hand. Okay, if you didn't see the movie, go watch it. It's not a sin. Go watch the movie. Will Ferrell is one of the actors in the movie. And Will Ferrell had a dad who's a race car driver who liked to go fast. So on the way to the hospital, Ricky Bobby's mother was pregnant with him. And this, her dad, her husband, Ricky Bobby's dad is flying to the hospital. He's going like a hundred and something. He's going so fast, he passes the hospital. So then his wife was like, honey, you passed the hospital. So he hits the brakes. And when he hits the brakes, Ricky Bobby is born in the car. So Ricky Bobby grows up as a little boy. All he says is, I want to go fast, I want to go fast, I want to go fast. And his dad ingrained this into him. If you ain't first, you're last. Well, that's God's attitude. If it ain't first, it's last. If you ain't gave it first, you might as well give it last. Amen. To the Ricky Bobby attitude. So watch this, the Lord accepted uh, Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain angry, and he looked dejected. He says, why are you so angry? The Lord asked Cain. He says, why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out, sin is crouching at the door. So listen, I want to show you something. Giving by faith is always manifested through the act of obedience. Everybody say giving by faith is always manifested through the act of obedience. Now, what are we obeying? We are are obeying God's instructions. So there are five things that happens when you and I act out, when we give by faith and we do that through obedience. Number one is that we obey or we regard God's instructions on, on what we should give. In other words, giving by faith is us now understanding that, watch this now, God's instructions on what we give should be the the whole bottom line. Here's number two, God's instructions on how we should give. So it is God's responsibility to tell us what to give. It is God's instructions and responsibility to make sure, uh, tell us how to give. Number three, it's God's responsibility to give us instructions on where we should give. Number four, it is God's responsibility to let us know and give us instructions on the way we should give. And then number five, it is God's responsibility to give us instructions on whom we should give to. When I was growing up, I was a new believer and there was this older lady who was a more mature believer. And I was talking to her about tithing and giving God first. And she says, oh, I give my tithe to the poor. She said, I just go downtown and I just give people, you know, who need the money the tithe. The problem with that is this. You cannot, listen church, you cannot give somebody something that's not yours.
Okay, let's say you went to Hertz. How many have ever rented a car? You go to Hertz, you rent the car, you leave with the car, you come over to my house and say, Pastor, I want to be a blessing to you. You know what I'm going to say? Be a blessing to me. And you say, Pastor, here's a brand new 2021 charger that I want to bless you with. And you give me the keys. And I'm driving around in that car. I have a question. Is it my car? I have another question. Is it your car? No, you cannot give what is not yours. You do not give the tithe. You return the tithe. See, if you, listen, if you have the mindset that I'm giving the tithe, what you're saying is mine to give. It's not yours. That's why Malachi says, return to me. And I will return. So tithing is not giving. Tithing is returning. Everybody say tithing is not giving. Tithing is returning. And God has the right to give us instructions on what we should give, how we should give, where we should give, the way we should give, and whom we should give it to. The Living Bible translation of Hebrews 11.4, it says this, It was by faith that Abel obeyed God and he brought the offering. And here's the thing. If giving by faith is manifested in us obeying God's instruction regarding giving, watch this, then he must have given Cain and Abel some instructions on how to give to him. Let me tell you why I know he gave them instructions. Because it would be wrong of him to, to, to reject Cain's offering if he didn't tell Cain what to give. See, we think, because we grew up in old school church, that whatever we decide to put in the collection plate or whatever we decide to give online or give in that box on the way out, that whatever we decide to give, God's accepted. No, that's not true. Because if God accepted anything, he would have accepted what Cain gave. Are you all with me? Okay, so the New Living Translation of Genesis 4.4, it says, Abel also brought a gift, the best of the firstborn. So... God could not, watch this now, he could not have rejected what Cain gave unless he told Cain what to do. And I know he told Cain what to do because one person did it and the other person didn't. Amen. And this is where I believe the average Christian falls into sin when it comes to giving to God. Because we tie the instructions on giving to God with stuff, we tie it into things that have nothing to do with it. See, we tie it into how much our check is. God understands. He knows my house notice due. So uh, he don't mind uh, me not giving 10%. But the problem is you are having an ownership mentality. It's not yours. And see, here's the thing. We forget that when we return the tithe to God and we give offering, it's his job to protect the rest of what we keep. And see, you can tithe so long and get offering so long that you forget that there's an, watch this, there's a financial insurance policy on your life that's keeping the devil from eating your stuff up. But you can be doing it so long that you forget that that financial protection policy is in place. Everybody say years ago. Years ago, one of the members of our church, you know, they were a consistent tither. You couldn't stop them from tithing. I mean, they were tithing, but something happened and things got tight. So they decided just this one time 
to keep the tithe and use it on some bills. God, just one? I mean, come on, God. I've been, I've been tithing for 99 times. What's 100 missing? That ain't going to hurt nothing. So they decided to keep the tithe this one time. So they at the gas station, gassing up their car. Guess what happens? Somebody comes with a gun and tell them to give them their purse with all the money in there. Guess what was in there? The tithe was in there. The offering was in there. All the money. So watch this. See, the devil, he'll dupe you. He'll make you go, oh, you don't need to do that. And then he's going to steal from you at the same time. So here it is. All these years, they didn't know that they were being protected by God from the enemy. And the moment they decided to keep, watch this, God's money, that not only did the devil take God's money, he took their money too. So let's look at one more person real quick. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews eleven seventeen. Let me show you somebody else who gave by faith. This was Abraham. It says, by faith, Abraham, when he was tried or tested, he offered up Isaac. And he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. What did he do? He offered up what? His only begotten son. Of whom it was said that in thy Isaac shall thy seed be. And it was to the point where Abraham was like, well, if I kill him, God's going to have to raise him up from the dead. But God told me, remember now, who's responsible for giving us instructions on what we need to give? God. So bring the table out here. I, I want to illustrate something. I want to illustrate. Because see, a lot of times when we read the Bible, it, it, we think it's just, we, we don't see it. So I am going to pretend that I am Abraham. And I am going to kill Isaac today. God, let's say pretend I'm Abraham. And Abraham says to Isaac, uh, to, uh, God says, Abraham, I want you to offer up Isaac. I want you to sacrifice him. I know he's your only son. I know he's your best son, but I want him. So uh, I want one of my spiritual sons to come on out. Come on. Uh, he, he, he's going to represent Isaac. So y'all give Isaac a big hand clap as he comes. <clears throat> so this is Isaac. Isaac. Now, 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 watch this. I'm going to read something here uh, because if you read it, uh, will you lay on the table? Well, well, first of all, stand, stay right there at the edge of the, of the uh, there you go. Now, notice what he got in his hand. So, Genesis 22, look in verse 1. It says, and it came to pass after these things that God did test or tempt Abraham and said, Abraham... He says, here I am, verse 2. He says, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go into the land of Moriah, and I want you to offer him for a burnt offering on the mountains. And Abraham rose early in the morning. He saddled his ass, and he took two of his young men with him, and Isaac, his son, watch this, and clayed the wood for the burnt offering. And he rose up and he went to the place of which God had told him. And then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes. He saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to the young men, I want you to stay here with the donkey. Y'all had a problem with the word ass, I can tell. <laughs> Y'all had a problem with it. So I'm going to say donkey this time. Okay. <laughs> Did y'all feel the hush? Like he said, he said ass. But it's right here. <laughs> he says, I'm going to go yonder 
Watch it. Watch what Abraham described this as. He says, I'm going to go yonder and I'm going to do what? Worship because giving is worship. And he says, and then I'm going to come back to you. Verse 6. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and he laid it up on who? Isaac. Isaac was not a little bitty boy. He was not a baby. He was old enough to walk up this mountain. He was old enough to hold the wood. So get on the, get on the altar, would you, Isaac? Get on the altar, please. We have no insurance. We have no insurance. Watch what happens. Watch what happens. And Abraham took the wood and the burnt offering. He laid it on his son Isaac. He took the fire in his hand and a knife. Exhibit one. And they both went together. And listen. And Isaac said, I'm going to say this in Pastor Jonathan's voice. Isaac said unto his father, Father, behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for, for the burnt offering. So they both went together. They came to the place where God told him. Abraham built the altar. He laid the wood down. He bound up Isaac, his son. He laid him on the altar with the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand. Now, how many will want to be Isaac right now? I mean, if, if, I mean, you, you know. <laughs> Don't move, Isaac. Do not move. And while he was getting ready to just come down on him, right? He was getting ready to come down. Watch what verse 11 says. And the angel of the Lord called him out of heaven and said, Abraham. He says, here I am. He said, don't lay your hands up on him. Because watch this. Now I know that you trust me, Abraham. Now I know that you fear me. For you have not withheld your son, your only son. And Abraham lifted up his eyes. Watch this church. And he looked and behold, behind him was a ram caught in the thicket. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered up the lamb. Because. Watch this. When we return the tithe and we give to God. He already has provision laid up whether we could see it or not. And that's what makes it about faith. So y'all give Isaac a big hand right now. Give him a big hand. Thank you, Isaac. Okay, so I, I, I got to finish here. So here's the deal. Here's point number two if you're taking notes. Point number two was giving by faith blesses me. So if you continue to read, God told Abraham, I'm in Genesis chapter, uh, this is Genesis 22, and I'm going to read, I'm skipping around because I got I to gotta stop. Uh, Genesis 22, verse 15, the angel of the Lord called and says the second time, and he says, hey, by myself have I sworn, says the Lord, but because you have done this thing, and you have not withheld thy son, thy only son, watch this, that in blessing, I will bless you. Church, I'm here to tell you. That when we bring the tent, and see, some of you all are going, Pastor, I'm already doing that. Here's the problem, I think, with regular tithers. We consistently exercise the principle of tithing. 
But I think we forget the benefit of the promise from tithing. So recently, I bought some filters online at Amazon, some filters for the air condition. I bought them online, and they said it was going to come the next day. Well, I was out of town all last week. I went to, to the conference with my pastor. So I'm in Houston, and I'm thinking, okay, um, you know, they'll be there when I get there. All right? So I got back, and they, they never was there. They never showed up. So yesterday, typically on Saturdays, you don't typically see me out and about. I consecrate. That's just what I do. But I'm studying, and all of a sudden, I feel an urge to go to Home Depot to go get these filters. That's unusual. Well, I've been studying for, I don't know, three hours or so. So I was like, okay, I'll just get up, take a break, go to Home Depot. All right? So I felt the nerves to do that. So I went to Amazon, and uh, they said, oh, the filters you ordered these from, this particular distributor, they don't have them no more. So you need to order them from somewhere else. So I figured, okay, I'm just going to go to Home Depot and go buy the, buy the filters. I leave the house and I drive by because I go th- through the garage. That's, I, I never go through the front door. I go through the garage. Well, I'm passing by my front door in my car and there are huge boxes on my porch. I got out of the car. The boxes said Home Depot. I open up the boxes. Guess what's in the boxes? My filters for my air conditioning. Watch this. That's what most believers who tithe consistently do. They do the principle, but they forget the air filters are sitting at the door when they need them. See, the need that you have is going to be met according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. But sometimes when we're consistently doing the principle, we forget to rely on the promise. And then in addition to that, you got to remember, when you're bringing the first, you know what else you're doing? You're pleasing God. Because, watch this, it is impossible to please him without what? So when, watch, Abraham gave by faith, Abel gave by faith, you and I are going to give by faith. You say, well, how do you do that? You're going to give by faith because I'm just going to obey the word. That's what it means. So this message right here are for four different people. The first group of people that this message is for are for people who don't tithe. And and let me just explain this. I'm going to give us, I'm going to give us the benefit of the doubt. But 50% of our church tithe, 50% don't. So I know some of you all who are sitting here say, Pastor, I already tithe. Yeah, but there's half of us that don't. So let's just split this room in half. And this group, since they was laughing at me, this is the group that don't tithe. And this is the group that tithe. I told you I'd get you back. No, 50%. And that's being liberal. So this message is for those because I believe God wants to do something financially in your life, but, you, but his hands are tied. Amen. And can I tell you something? One of the, big, the devil's biggest fear, you say, I didn't know the devil can fear. He does because it says God has not given us a spirit of fear. So where did fear come from? It has to come from the devil. Well, if the devil can give fear, that means he can have fear too. Well, one of the biggest fears of the devil is when a believer starts tithing and giving. Why? Because now, once you and I do that, he knows once we start tithing and consistently giving, he will no longer have a rightful position to destroy what we have. This, this, this message is for people who are what I call inconsistent tithers. You've just never really been able to get the momentum going. You'll start and you stop. You'll start and you stop. Let me tell you something. If you do that in your car, it's going to take you a long time to get where you're going. 
And there's some people, you say, well, Pastor, what does that mean? Uh, if you haven't tithed at least three months in a row without missing, you're inconsistent. Then this message is for people who have been tithing, but they haven't been combining with offering. Remember, Abel, what did he do? He gave a first fruit and a what else? And some fat. That's called tithing and offering. You say, well, I don't believe that. Well, you just go read Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 and 10. It says, honor the Lord with your substance and the first fruit of your increase. So here's what I want to do. Today, we're going to do a financial altar call. So I want you to bow your heads right there. If you're watching, you don't have to bow your head, but I just want you to focus. Because I know without a doubt that this message is for some people. Please don't make this about me. Because, see, the devil wants you to make it about me. He wants you to make it about your paycheck. He wants you to make it out of everything except for what it is all about. It is all about you and your relationship with God and you obeying him. Don't make it about the church. Well, they just want my money. But let me tell you something. The lights are working. You didn't pay for it because you're not giving nothing. So don't make it about the church. Make this about your relationship with God. And I'm telling you, the windows of heaven are ready to open and pour you out things and give you opportunities and show you favor that you've never seen before in your life. So there are some people that I'm talking to. You're currently not a tither. Then there's this group that what I call inconsistent. If you haven't done it three, three months in a row, I'm talking to you. And then there's this group that you tithe faithfully. But boy, I tell you what, you don't give offering faithfully. Those three people are who I'm talking to. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray. And then I'm going to ask you to take a step of faith. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for your word. Thank you that your people heard it. Thank you that the Spirit of God is here, not only to bring conviction, but, Father, to help them see that their life can be better. And, Father, I pray that as they obey you today, you said you will rebuke the devourer for our sake. Thank you for rebuking the devil over their finances in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, listen, I want you to look up at me because I'm going to do an altar call again, but this is a financial altar call. So if you know you fit in that category where you're not tithing or you haven't been consistent, you fall in that category, here's what I want you to do. This is an act of faith. And this is anonymous. Here's what I like about it. This is anonymous. I want you to get your phones out or they can put, let me see if they're going to put the, the number up there. The number is 817-601-1832. That was 817 601 one eight three two. There it is up there. Take a picture of it. Take a picture of it. But I want you to text the word tithe to that number. What that's going to do, you say, well, Pastor, why am I doing that? Let me tell you something. Any decision you make in secret will never have strength. It will never have strength. Now, nobody's going to see these text messages. That's why it's anonymous. Nobody's going to call you about it. What it is, it's you now making a commitment that's just beyond you. And so if you know I was talking to you today, I want you to text the word TITHE, T-I-T-H-E, to that number. And then what it's going to do, it's going to give you a daily confession that you can make as a tither now. Now, with every head still bowed, go back by your heads. Lord, whoever it is that's watching or who's in the house that needs salvation, thank you for it now in Jesus' name. 
mighty name. I want us to pray this prayer of salvation together. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died for my sins. I believe God raised you from the dead. So today, I make you my Lord and Savior. Holy Spirit, come on the inside. Change me on the outside.